Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dotson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word and subjects related, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and that we might observe it with our whole hearts. Psalm 119, verse 34. This episode is a continuation of the theme that we're studying together, the gospel according to Matthew. And each time I repeat the same introduction for emphasis and for learning for myself and others, that Matthew is the gospel account written by a Jew to Jews about a Jew. Matthew is the writer, his fellow Jews are the readers, and Jesus Christ is his subject. His purpose, his design, is to present Jesus as the King of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah. And he does this through a carefully selected series of Old Testament quotes. Matthew documents Jesus' claim to be the Messiah, his genealogy, his baptism, his messages, sermons, his miracles, all of these point to the one same inescapable conclusion, that is, that Christ is king. And even in Jesus' death, which appears to be defeat, is turned into victory by his resurrection. And so the message again echoes forth, the king of the Jews lives. And that's the background, I think, a good summary background of Matthew, his account of the good news, his account of the gospel. And so, in this study, uh, we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 13, and I read, sometimes I read the whole chapter, sometimes I read just the first part of the chapter, you know, different things like that, and, and, and I, often, I just select a certain portion of that chapter, and I walk through it. I don't do the whole chapter. And so, maybe another time, I'll come back and, you know, do more, where I cover other areas that I haven't uh, covered before. But in this episode, I may, I think I'm going to title it, What Soil, S-O-I-L, What Soil Are You? From Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Now, Matthew chapter 13 is very obviously speaking of judgment for the Jewish nation in the first century and the work of Christ and the apostles. Jesus, in what we call the parable of the sower, very clearly spoke of wayside soil, stony soil, thorny soil, and good ground, good hearts, in the first nine verses. And when you think about the fact that there are billions of people that live on this earth, even today, let alone the billions of people who have lived prior to our generation, every person who is of accountable state, falls into one of these categories, for a lack of better words. For a lack, for, falls into one of these, can be described by one of these descriptions. Wayside, stony, thorny, and good ground. Now, the context and the setting of Matthew 13 is the ministry of Jesus amongst the corrupt Israelites. The prophets had been sent to the Jews, preaching and teaching. And the vine dresser even sent his son, 
according to Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Yet they would not repent. Instead, they killed God's Son. And by the time you're reading, you're reading at the point of Matthew 13, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he is being rejected. And he's starting to call others to come to him. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus, what he does here is he explains his work and the effects of his work in this parable we call the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. <clears throat> I've got three main ideas, I think, that I want to convey in this episode. <clears throat> but I'm just going to read it and then and, and give kind of my running thoughts on it and highlight these main ideas. Matthew 13, look with me if you're able, have your Bible open digitally or a physical Bible. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. On the same day, this would be on the same day that Jesus taught about uh, the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit and how a house divided against it st itself can't stand. And the last section ends with Jesus speaking of who his true uh, mother and brothers are, those that do the will of God. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he who will, excuse me, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. 
But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world, and he be- excuse me, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So Jesus first gives the parable. He says, A sower goes out to sow the seed. And as he sows, some seed falls on wayside soil, some on stony places, some on thorns, and some on good ground. And the wayside soil, the first of these, is the hardened path about the field or around the field where the seed lands and the birds come and devour them. He says the stony soil is not sufficient because the seed grows up but has no depth of earth and it dies when the sun hits it. And then he says that the thorny soil is not sufficient because the seed grows up but is choked by the thorns. And he says the good ground On the other hand, the good ground yields a bountiful crop that is useful. So he gives this parable, and second, he gives the reasons for his parables in verses 10 through 17, and then later in verses 34 and 35, Matthew comments more on this matter. The purpose behind Jesus' parables was to reveal truth to those who were seeking God and to shield truth from those who, who were not seeking truth. Sadly, some people want a lie, and they are not seeking truth to obey it. And there are other passages that, you know, corroborate this idea. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12, they believe a lie, and so God sends a strong delusion that they might believe it. Romans chapter 1 Verse 25 is another passage that goes along with this, where Paul wrote that the Gentiles had exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the uh, the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Sadly, people want lies. Not all people, but many. And they're not looking to obey the truth. Instead, they're looking for what they want. And the scribes and the Pharisees were prime examples of this. They were looking for what they wanted. Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 10, Matthew wrote, this is Matthew 12, verse 10, And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked Jesus, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? You see their motives? They weren't looking for truth. They weren't looking for the behavior and activity of the Messiah. Instead, they were looking to accuse. Mark chapter 3, verse 2. I'm going to give several passages that help to illustrate this truth. Mark chapter 3, verse 2. So they watched Jesus closely, that was on the Sabbath in a synagogue, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. That is, bring charges against him. They weren't looking for the truth. They, They want what they want. And someone might say, well, they wanted the truth. They were trying to obey the law. No, they were adding to the law and circumventing the law. Jesus says that very clearly 
in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 12, verse 13, then they sent, they there would be uh, the scribes and Pharisees, they sent to Jesus some of the Pharisees and the Herodians. That would be part of the multitude, the crowds of verse 12, I think. I stand corrected. They did that. They sent some to Jesus, Pharisees and Herodians, to catch him in his words. You see, here's their motives. They want to catch Jesus. Luke chapter 11, verse 54. Luke chapter 11, verse 54, after Jesus teaches much, Mark, or excuse me, Luke comments, And as Jesus said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something that he might say, that they might accuse him. See, they're looking to trap him. They're looking to accuse him. They weren't looking for truth, and that's so sad. And the gospel account writers make that clear. Luke 20, verse 26, again, this pertains to the scribes and the Pharisees, but they could not catch him, Jesus, in his words, in the presence of the people. And they marveled at his answer and kept silent. Matthew, or Luke 23, verse 14. Luke 23, verse 14. This is close to the death, the time of the death of Jesus. Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, Pilate said, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people, and indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. Even a Gentile could see that the religious leaders were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to accuse him. One more reference. John chapter 8 Verse 6, in the account of the adulterous woman. John chapter 8, verse 6. They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman we caught in the act of adultery, in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that we should that, that such, person, such a person should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Again. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Back to Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries. Why had it been given to them? Not because of Calvinistic ideas. Not because God predetermined certain individuals that would want it or hear it or desire it and others could not discern it or desire it or want it. No. Because it had been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not. Why? Because of their self-seeking heart. And on the other hand, it had been given to those to know and to understand because they were seeking God and they wanted to know God. When Scripture says repeatedly, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth and whosoever will come and take of the water of life freely. And Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy led, not those that were already predetermined by God. And you'll know by a miraculous sign that you're predetermined. Then I can know when I read Matthew 13, verses 11 through 17, that Jesus is not saying, now look, I spoke in parables so that the people I've already predetermined to not know the truth will not know the truth, and the people that I've predetermined ahead of time to know the truth can know the truth. That is the most ridiculous hogwash in the world. Jesus is saying, whoever has, has what? Has that desire. Again, Calvinism would say, oh, well, they have that desire because God gave it to them. No, they have that desire because the Word so touches their heart. 
because they've been so taught and influenced by God and God's things. For whoever has, to him more will be given. Why? Because And he will have an abundance. Why? Because he wants to do God's will. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That's why I speak in parables. Because there are people who don't want it. And they I don't want them to I don't want them to damage the truth. I don't want them to be able to continue to hound me or my people over these matters. Jesus spoke in parables because those who wanted it could hear it, discern it, and apply it, and those who were only there to harm him and the truth would be hindered or prevented. Jesus spoke in parables because he's the all-wise preacher and teacher. And it was an effective way of people hearing his word and making application. Incidentally, the religious leaders on occasion would hear him preach a parable or preach sayings, and they would know he's speaking of us. All right. I'm thinking that Jesus' parabolic teachings were given also the way that they were because his time was limited and his hour was not yet come until God's divine time clock was ready. And so that would help to shield the truth from those who didn't want the truth. And again, protect Jesus for a period of time at least. I think these are the reasons why he gave the parables that he did. Matthew comments further, Matthew 13, 34, and 35. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So Jesus also taught in parable, fulfilling what God had said in the old covenant times. And finally, Jesus gives the explanation and the application of this parable. Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23. And if you have a Bible that has topical headings like mine does, over Matthew 13, 18, it says, The parable of the sower explained. The first point he explains is that those who hear the word of God and do not understand it, Satan comes and takes it away so that the seed will not take root. And that's the wayside soil. Let me ask this question. Does that mean that the Word of God can't be understood? No, it doesn't mean it can't be understood. It means that it won't be understood by those who are not seeking God. Those who do not want truth. But those who believe, those who are seeking, they can know the truth. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, key believed him, John 8, 31. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So the truth can be understand, understood. The word of God can be understood. We can know God's will, but we're not going to know, we're not going to understand, we're not going to appreciate if we do not want it, if we do not desire it if we thrust it from ourselves, if we say, I don't want this. Jesus very clearly to very obstinate people said, John 5, 39 and 40, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, 
and these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You know, and a Calvinist would, to be consistent with their doctrine, would have to say that the people to whom Jesus spoke here were not believers. They were impenitent people, people they would call unregenerate. And Jesus says to them, you were not willing to come to me. He doesn't say you weren't able to come to me. You don't have the ability. You can't even desire me because you're a, you, you, you know, you're, you're a, you're a viper. You're, you, you have no hope. You have been predetermined ahead of time individually by God. And so you can't come to God because God already predetermined. That, again, that's the biggest bunch of lies and hogwash there is. Look it up. John 5 verse 40. But you are not willing to come to me. So when Jesus speaks of the wayside soil, he says these are those that hear the word of God and they don't understand it, because and Satan comes and he takes it away so that the seed won't take root. That's the wayside soil. And so we would do well to ask ourselves, am I, am I in that range? Am I in that category? Does that describe me, that I'm not even seeking God, seeking His will? In all likelihood, that would not describe anyone who listens to my podcast because there's a, probably a pretty slim chance that anyone would listen to my podcast who's not a believer in God, who, who's not seeking God at all. It's possible, but it's not probable. Again, God's Word can be understood, but we have to desire, we have to be willing. We have to open our minds. It means that if I do not want the gospel, Satan will snatch that message away so that it won't be planted in my heart. The second thing that Jesus says in explaining and applying this parable, he says those who hear and receive the message with joy are those that have no root because they're the stony soil. And there is tribulation and trouble, persecution that comes up because of the word, because of what they were taught. And immediately that person stumbles this is someone perhaps who did not count the cost or who was not taught to count the cost and so i think that's important for us as teachers of god's word to teach people as did jesus luke chapter 14 to count the cost instead of just this hey here believe repent confess be baptized folks need to know what that means they need to know the commitment they're making to god when they come to god yes it is true that we must have faith and we must repent we must confess our faith, and we must be baptized. But you can't just say, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and then expect people to stick with it when tribulation or persecution arises. They need to count the cost ahead of time. They need to be taught what it means to believe and repent and be baptized into Christ. Baptized. they they got to know that. The third main idea Jesus teaches here in giving explanation and application, he says, those who received the word among thorns were the ones who heard the word, but that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word, and it became unfruitful. Now, Jesus obviously is not speaking like encompassing everything, surely, a comprehensive idea. But the idea remains, the idea is, there are people who receive the word, but they have thorns in their mind and in their hearts. And so they hear the word, 
but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, things of the world, choke the word, and the word becomes unfruitful, and so it's of no use. They don't stick with it. And so, again, we should ask our questions, or excuse me, we should ask questions of ourselves. Hey, am I that kind of person that I have a stony, soiled heart? Like, I just, you know, because tribulation or hardship comes up because God commands me to, you know, live righteous, to live a life of purity, to abstain from fornication and sexual lusts and, and other things, or or he, he commands me not to allow uh, bad influence to corrupt my behavior, or he, he expects me to assemble with the church regularly and not forsake that assembly and, and worship and serve God faithfully and, and teach the lost. And whatever the Word teaches us to do, if, if we stumble because we receive hardship or persecution because we're doing the Word, we are that stony soil. And so we can ask the question of the third idea and the, th- the third explanation, the third point. Have we become a caring people of the world? And by that I mean the things of the world. I don't mean the people of the world that we should care for, but the things of the world system. Have we begun to hold on to the things on the earth that are passing away above God? Have we become deceived by riches? by wealth you know it's easy to trust in wealth and think this will get me this this will get me that it'll get me health it'll get me a job it'll get me this it'll get me a house it'll help me with friends it'll help me in the church it'll help me it'll help me we can be deceived by riches and what happens is that chokes out the word and we become unfruitful luke 13 not luke matthew 13 i'm sorry matthew 13 verse 22 But finally, the last explanation and application that Jesus makes is this. There are those who receive the seed on good ground. They are seeking God. Their minds are prepared to receive it. They hear the word, they understand it, and they bear fruit. And Luke tells us what the difference is between that fourth soil and the others. Luke 8, verse 15 Jesus said, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it, and bear fruit with patience, that is, with endurance. So there are those who, even though they're in the world, their hearts have been so inclined because of godly influence and truth from the word of God that their heart begins to open, and it's open toward what is you know good and right. And so the seed falls on their heart, and they have a noble and good heart. And what they do with the message is they keep it, and they bear fruit with patience, with endurance. They don't give in, they don't give out, they don't give up, because they have a good and noble heart, and they keep the word, and they, they are bearing much fruit for the Lord, as Jesus had taught John chapter 15, verses 1 through, well, the first 10 verses or so there. So we ought to ask ourselves the question, if we're to get anything out of this, yes, Jesus taught this in the first century. The first application had to do with the Jews and Jesus teaching the Jewish nation. He said, you know, I came first and only to the Jewish nation, to the lost tribe, uh, excuse me, to the lost of the tribes of Israel, of the house of Israel. 
But then Jesus, of course, expanded that ministry by going to Samaria and then by having uh, his apostles sent into the uttermost parts of the world uh, after Acts chapter 2. But the question is, again, we, we understand the first century context. What can we learn from it? Well, what soil are we? Sadly, most people in the world today are like the Jewish nation. They are wayside soil, they are stony soil, or they are thorny soil. The question we ought to ask is, are we the good ground who have received the word as those believing, penitent Jews on the day of Pentecost? And by that, I mean those some 3,000 who heard the word. And I want to read that before I close. This is foundational to understanding what the Great Commission means and how to receive it. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 41. Peter preached, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse, this, this crooked generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. I contend this, that those who received his word gladly received, the gladly receiving ones were the baptized one, so the Greek there indicates. What soil were those 3,000? They heard the word, they kept it, and they bore fruit. And we need to ask ourselves, are we that individual? And you know, when the Word rests in our hearts and we seek the Word of God daily, what happens is when we find ourselves in sin, whether by a moment of weakness or by hardness of heart, we, we continue in sin. When we allow the Word back in, when we open that door for God to come back in with His Word, it will change us. We can then be right with God again as a, as a child of God who, who has become rebellious, but instead... Now that we're in Christ, we, we, we open the door back up, we let God back in, and we let His Word take charge of our hearts, our minds, and our lives. And we continue on the right path, or we get back on the right path, maybe I should say. And we, and we bear fruit with endurance, as Jesus said. So anyone who might be listening to this, if you have not obeyed the gospel of Christ, if you have not heard the word, not what I say or what TV preachers say, but if you have not studied the New Testament, the word of God, the gospel, if you have not come to believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, if you have yet to change your heart about sin and repentance and confess the name of Jesus as Lord, Romans 10.10, 10, if you have not, upon confession of your faith, Confess your faith by being baptized into Christ. 
to have your sins washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. If you have not so received Jesus, won't you do that even today? If as a child of God you've allowed sin back into your heart or into your mind or into your life, whether that sin may be something we think of as immoral, some sexual sin, some immorality like lying or cheating, stealing, being dishonest, trickery, whatever, whatever that sin may be, if it's something that's opposed to God's will, it may be negligence or apathy. What's God's desire for us? That we with a good and noble heart keep the word of God and bear fruit. That we repent of our sins as children of God and we walk in the light. 1 John chapter 1. Which soil are we? What soil are you? And will we continue to be that good soil? Well, we must desire it. We must hear it and keep it and bear fruit with endurance and patience. That will help us through the ups and downs of life. We may go up a bit, and we may go down a tad because we, we, we make some mistakes. But if we keep that word in our hearts, and we open that door for God to come back in, we can be white as snow again. If you're listening to this, and you are in need of assistance from a member of the Church of Christ, because you've heard this and you've been wondering things, you have questions, you can reach out to me. You can find me on social media, Aaron J. Dodson. You can also uh, send me an email at wa.gospelpreacher at gmail.com. wa.gospelpreacher at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to try to help you in any way that I can. As I started this podcast out, this is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word so that we might keep it and we might observe it with our whole hearts. It's not just to hear myself talk. It's so that I might be built up and strengthened and others be blessed as well. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, this continuation of the study of Matthew. If you have and you've stayed this long, God bless you. Thank you for supporting me in the work that I'm doing. Whatever venue you're watching or you're listening to this, rather, click like. Give me a rating. Make a comment that will help in the algorithm so that others will see this podcast. And when you see it, share it so that others can see it as well. That helps so much. Please share it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.